0: had not the lord been good to us Amen. well i i sure am honored to be in church tonight Amen. i like it when the psalmist said i was glad when they said unto me let's go into the house yeah, of the sure. lord Amen. i'm gonna be honest with you that's very personal to me uh i know it is probably to y'all but there's not it's we're honored and we're blessed to be able to be in church on a thursday night Amen. there's so many places in this world there's people that's this, this, this starving for that, that wants that real bad. And I'm, um, I'm reminded every day of why I'm on deputation for, for one for several reasons. But one reason brother Dean always says, it's, it's, it's a, it's a birthing process and it's a learning curve. Um, and we're meeting some of the best people that we could ever. And I couldn't, I'm just amazed every day at the, the kindness of God's people. Thank you, pastor. Your pastor has become a good friend of mine. I've only met him one time in person until yesterday. But we talk quite often through Marco Polo. And um, and uh <laughs> Yeah, but it's uh we're honored. Thank you, Lighthouse Baptist, for having us here and your kindness. Uh if anything this week I would sure love for my family and I just to be a blessing to y'all because uh yeah, all the places we go around the United States and that's a that's a whole bunch of places, um everybody's always loving on us, but but just know that we love y'all too. We really do. We're, we're here to, to, and and we want y'all to know that we're here because of one thing and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, we're honored to be here, but my family, I'd like to introduce my family, Rhonda, best thing that's ever happened to me outside of salvation. And my, my son, I'm just going to go in line. I know it's ladies first, but he's next door. So my son, Dalton and then my, my daughter, Faith. And, uh, we are missionaries to Nagano, Japan specifically. And, uh, we're church planners. The, the Lord has opened up a door for us to, uh, go and minister to the people of Saku City, Nagano. Uh, just to, at the beginning of 2020, me and brother Dean went over there and we spent some time just praying, uh, just, just him and I and, uh, and the pastor that I'll be working with and serving under until I, I learned the language. And, uh, the first part of the trip, I, I went by myself. And I spent about, I don't know, about seven days by myself, and then he came over and stayed with me for about five or six days. But uh as we was tra- traveling over there, as I was traveling over there, I can't sleep on an airplane and uh um, I, I, I can't uh I can't sleep the day leading up to the trip. I was so excited. And um I was uh so I've been up for about thirty something hours. And as I was, I got there, it was, it gets dark about five o'clock year round in Japan. And then the sun comes up four thirty, five o'clock year round in Japan every morning. So, um, uh, I knew it was way, way up in the mountains, but it was dark, it was going through tunnels, my ears was popping. I, I was very exhausted, but I was excited. Couldn't wait to see where I was going. And, um, we got there and all leading up to the trip and all through the, on the plane on the, the flight over, I'd been reading in Acts. And that's just where the Lord had me for quite some time leading up to that. And um I started, now something about me when I open my Bible, I always go from the beginning. I like to see the pages flip. It just, it blesses my heart. Cause I'm honored to have this right here. And I just, I, I just love to start from the beginning and it, it turns blue and I'm a blue man. So, uh, so I'm flipping and I'm flipping from beginning all the way going to Acts. And I kid you not, I saw Isaiah 64. I don't I don't know if I had a, I can't remember now if I had uh, something in there, one of my uh, ribbons, I don't know. But it, it, I saw it, and I stopped. And I, what I'd done is I woke up that morning about 4.30, maybe a pot of coffee, and I'm sitting down at the sliding glass doors. And I can't wait for the sun to come up, because I know that there's a beautiful view waiting on me, and I can't wait to see it. And it's Sunday morning, and it's about 4.30. I go in there, I make the pot of coffee, and I'm starting to open up my Bible to Acts, and I stop at Isaiah 64. And as I stopped, I, I read it. I didn't know why I was reading it, but I did. I read it. It ain't but 12 verses, and I'm going to read the first two. And it says, Oh, that thou wouldst rend, uh, rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth. The fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. And that may not mean a whole bunch to you, but that means the world to me, because as I'm reading that, the sun comes up. And I look out over the sliding glass doors off the little back patio, the small backyard, over a valley, and about a quarter of a mile in front of me was Mount Osama. And Mount Osama is a live, active volcano, it's a snow covered volcano. And it had it had steam coming up, smoke, and it does twenty every day. Seven days a week it has steam coming up from it. And right then and there the Lord says, you're home. This is what you've been praying about. That was my second trip to Japan. And uh, I looked down upon that city. And you can look at some of our pictures over here. They're very personal pictures to me. I looked down on that city and I see all them people. And it was a very cold morning in january and the lord told me he gave me complete peace saying you're you're this is where i want you to be you know we took our trip in 2017 and we come back and i didn't know exactly where in japan the lord wanted us but the lord put some good people in our in our in our path a pastor a veteran pastor and his wife and 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 mother-in-law that's been over there she grew up she's in her 40s and she grew she's been there her whole life and the, And the, their doctrine lines right up with ours, and the lord 's put them in our path and so we 'll be working in Saku City Nagano for the first two or three years till I can preach in the language and as I do that, after I do that we 'll take a short furlough as the Lord sees fit and um, and go back and i 'll tell you what the Lord has done for me, as we was over there, the pastor before Brother Dean got there, the pastor of the church. He took me north and south of Saku City cuz he's got a church in Saku City which is about 100,000 people and there's just that church is about the only good doctrinal church in there. They might be a couple on the outskirts of the city up tucked up in the little villages. But um, he took me north and south to cities that does not have a church at all. About a good doctrinal Bible preaching Baptist church at all. So, um, and we'd just pray in each city. We'd stop. And we'd pray. We took we took one full day. One day, and went north of cities, and then one full day, and went to the south of the cities in Nagano, south of the north of Saku, and we'd pray. Well, the last day that we did that, he took me to a city. It's a place called Sua, S U W A. And it sits on this beautiful lake. And I do have pictures of it over here. And I'd encourage you to look at the, the last two pictures because they're very important pictures to us. Um, we went up on this big old overlook. It's like Chattanooga going up in the, uh, the lookout mountain or whatever. So it, we're overlooking in it's beautiful gardens. And we're overlooking the, the lake, Sowa Lake, and all of them thousands of homes down there that surrounds the lake. And... Um, This place, take in mind, does not have a church at all, not one church, and there's a little over thirty thousand people in this city. And it's it's not a tourist attraction. Everyone everybody's Japanese. Uh so for the most part I'd be the only English looking fellow there. And we're standing up there, me and the pastor, and he's American. And this man and woman and his, his in law, his mother in law walks up to see the beautiful view. Snow covered mountains, snow everywhere. And he, 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 I can't speak Japanese, uh, maybe just a little bit better now, a few words more, but, but then I couldn't speak nothing. Had my phone and I handed it to him. He couldn't speak English and I wanted him to take a picture of myself and the pastor. And we're standing there and after he takes our picture, he walks up and in the Japanese language, he talks to the pastor I'm with. And the pastor, he asked the pastor, you know, what are y'all doing here? He says, well, I'm a, I have a church there in Saku City and this is a missionary. A uh, preacher that's praying about areas to start a, city, uh, a church in the Nagano prefecture, and uh, as he told him that this this Japanese man did something that no one else, no ja- this just don't happen amongst Japanese people. He looked at me with a very kind kind as as Japanese people are some of the kindest people on earth. Um, he looked at me and he did this right here, and in the Japanese language, he said, "Would you please start a church in my city?" And as he did that, the Lord broke my heart. Uh, we're blessed to have a church, a good church. Well, the keys, you're not far from here. Then here you got a good church here. Well, they don't have churches over there. And they need the gospel just like we do. And uh, it broke my heart for that. Japan, uh, Japan's 128 million people roughly. I'm not a big statistic man, but these are two I want to give you that that blows my mind. 128 million people and .4%, not even a half a percent if you want to get technical, profess to know the Lord as their personal savior. Uh, most of these people is, have heard of Jesus Christ, but they think it's a fictional character. They don't, they don't, they've never been, had the clear a presentation. Japan's the second most unreached people population in the entire world. It's one of the most peaceful countries in the world and it's dark as all get out. It's one of the darkest places. It is the darkest place I've ever been. Uh it's ate up with crime, uh, not crime, it's ate up with, with 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 uh marital, all kinds of terrible things that goes on in a home behind closed doors. Um it's 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 ancestral worship. There's all kinds of worship of all uh, it's very demonic. Um Brother Dean said it's probably the darkest place that he's ever been in his life. Um Another thing about it, there's eighteen million people there's one missionary per 18 million people in the country in asia so you think about that uh, it's not just japan that needs the gospel but the lord has called us to japan and uh, we're honored to be able to go and do what the lord has called us to do lord saved me at the age of 40 i just turned 50 well i'm closer to 51 now but um, i be 51 soon and i'm, I'm really looking forward to being on the field. The Lord has got us in a, in a process right now. And we're enjoying it. but We're almost 70 percent and we do have a house waiting on us. It's actually the house me and Brother Dean stayed in. They have offered that house to us and asked us if we'd come over in July and sign the contract. So y'all please pray for us. Pray that everything goes smoothly with that. It's already been offered to us to uh, to rent because we can't own anything in Japan. Uh, y'all pray for Japan, and, and I'm going to leave y'all with this right here, and I'll be done. But you say, why Japan at the age of 50? Well, first and foremost, the Lord. The Lord's called me there. But the Bible says, and I know this verse, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the, for the gospel, I wouldn't be standing here. And if it wasn't for prayer, from my prayer warrior sitting right back there, I wouldn't be here. So y'all pray for us, and I promise you, we may not call your name out, but we'll definitely be praying for y'all, and we appreciate y'all having us in. Thank you.
1: All right, good to be in God's house again this evening, amen, and a good crowd back on Thursday night, and I sure appreciate you being faithful to the meeting and coming out and taking your place and being in your place tonight. Sure enjoyed the presentation. Thank you, brother Chris. Encourage my heart. And uh, I've often thought about Japan. I, I've been in Japan two times. I believe they were both in Nagyo, but don't get too excited about that. <laughs> they didn't let me out of that secure area in the airport. <laughs> I was one time going to Manila and one time coming from Manila and that's, they made us get off the plane. So they could clean up our mess, I guess, and then we could get right back on. So they didn't even, I don't even have a stamp in my passport for Japan. But uh, um, I'm grateful that somebody's taken the gospel to some place as dark and as desperate and as needy. Um, and, and by the way, let me just make a quick statement about that. Historically, we had an opportunity as a nation to greatly influence the Japanese culture and country for the gospel's sake. That took place in the late 1940s when we had defeated the Japanese in World War II. And then as our custom as a nation has always been, we went in and rebuilt that nation. And as we rebuilt it, there was a call made for missionaries to come. But we let our prejudices as a nation of Christians, we let our prejudices keep us from rushing in with the gospel we should have rushed in we should have we should have taken every available man that had a book uh had a had a bible under his belt i'm talking about qualified men and put them on the ground preaching the gospel in japan and we could have influenced that nation for the gospel's sake but we didn't and the reason we didn't is we just whooped them i mean no disrespect to this brother's country of uh of, of calling but 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 they were our enemies And so we did not go in, roll forward to the 1980s, and we did the same thing again and uh, try to become a missionary to Russia today. Amen? Try to become a missionary to Russia. I have a friend that's in Russia. Well, he's going to preach a meeting, and then he's going to Russia, and he'll be there eight or ten days. But his purpose in being there is to figure out how to reach the, the South Koreans that are in Russia because of the international trade that's going on Um, But as a nation, they begged us for missionaries and Bibles in Russia when the wall fell in the USSR. These youngsters don't even know what that is. They they don't. They don't even see that in their history books anymore. If I said who's what, who's the USSR? I wonder how many of these children would even know who. I mean, I did. I mean, my generation knew. We knew when it collapsed. Amen. And when it disintegrated into its little puppet countries and there was a window of opportunity when we could get the gospel in but we let that window we let that window slide by us and close and we didn't get the gospel because they were our enemies and 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 listen to me you'll never do what god wants you to do in the matter of missions until you separate your politics from your preaching Amen. Now now, don't go saying, Brother Moore said, you ought not preach on political things in the pulpit. I, I think America's in the mess she's in because we stop preaching on things that should have been preached on the pulpit. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are people that hate America. And they would destroy us in a moment. And they're the enemies of America. But when it comes to the gospel and it comes to missions, we cannot see them as enemies. But we must see them as people who need jesus christ they are sinners but we cannot focus on the sin we must see them as souls eternal beings that are going to spend an eternal destiny in heaven or hell and we we cannot determine that but we can certainly influence that and it's our duty it's our obligation but yea, it's our opportunity to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we'll be a Jonah. Amen. And God'll make us do what we do and we'll be bitter that we did it when we got there. Until we go up and say, Lord, I really wish they hadn't heard my message and sit down under the shade of a of a big leaf somewhere. Amen, a gourd. And uh and 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 if necessary, I hope God'll cut our gourds down. Amen. Well, there's another message in that, but it's not tonight. It's, amen. All right, we're in the Gospel of Luke tonight, we're in chapter number 8, Luke chapter number 8, and uh, so uh, we continue to walk down these paths of missions and focusing our thoughts on those three topics that we mentioned last night, and Brother has already reiterated them. We're going to celebrate, and when I say celebrate, we're going to celebrate the role that Lighthouse Baptist Church has and is having in New Testament missions and and along with that, we're going to celebrate the men that are serving, the families that are serving, and uh, and uh you have partnered with them, and we're going to celebrate their successes. So I want to do something, and I'm not going to take a lot of time with it tomorrow or Sunday morning, but I want to encourage you as a church. Now are those, I didn't look last night, I saw the pictures, but y'all have some letters up for you missionaries back there in the... With the mission board, I don't. Are, is there all of them represented back there? Or? All of them. All right. So, so, so I want. Here's what I want the families of Lighthouse Baptist Church to do, and you can do it after tonight when you go back for fellowship. I want you to go find something positive on one of those missionary letters. Now, if I'd have had my senses, I'd have devied them up and gave you an assignment. But y'all are big. Y'all are adults. Y'all, y'all are big kids. All right. So, so go back there, and if you find your neighbors looking at one, look at another one. All right, but go back there and look at some positive things that are going on in the lives of the missionaries that Lighthouse Baptist Church partnered with. They saw somebody saved. They 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 got access to a building. Um, they they had some some obstacle that was was hindering them from ministry removed. Whatever that is, you you go read the letters and you look at them, pick you out two or three. And then maybe tomorrow night just before I preach, I'll say, give me three or four things that are positive in the lives of your missionaries. And we can have three or four like popcorn testimonies, you know, not preacher boy testimonies where they get up and take over for the rest of the night. But just popcorn testimonies. And you can hop up and tell us something positive and we'll celebrate together the good things that God's accomplishing in the works that you're partnering with around the world. All right, and then we're looking toward that commitment. What does God want out of you? It's personal. It's family. It's 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 family oriented. What does God want out of your family in this matter of New Testament missions? Um, does He want you to go? Boy, it got quiet real quick. I mean. Knocked that one right out of the water, right there. It got real quiet. Well, hey, by the way, going's not always becoming the missionary that goes over and lives. We do have these things called mission trips. Amen. 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 And uh, and by the way, I could show you an example in the word of God of two men that went on a mission trip. One that stayed and one came back home. It's in the book of Acts. Amen. I think about chapter 15. I'd have to look it up. And uh, one stayed and one came back home. And 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 God might want you to invest some of your talent, right? God might want to invest some of your talent because there's talented people in the Lighthouse Baptist Church. And it might just be that God would open up a door somewhere on a field so that you could, on a short-term basis, and that might be 10 days or it might be two months. Amen? I don't know. See, I'm just stabbing in the dark and throwing arrows. And something will stick if I throw enough of them, Brother Dalton, amen. But but you know, I've often said, I've often said, Brother Keys, what if what if uh, what if our public school teachers decided to be a brigade of Christian missionaries for their summer vacations? Right? I know they've shortened it down, you don't get the six weeks, but what if you took five of it and went to the mission field and 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 labored, amen? You see what I'm saying? And so there's skills, there's talents, there's there's uh healthy legs. I mean that 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 has a lot to do with mission. Sometimes you just go in and be a door knocker. Go in grab a you know, grab 500 or a 1000 door knocker bags and go door to door or if you're in the United Kingdom, letterboxing. Anybody know what letter but y'all do that in Scotland? Okay. Y'all know what letterboxing is? Now, if you go tomorrow, Brother David, and take materials for Lighthouse Baptist Church and start sticking them in the mailboxes down the road, that is a federal offense in the United States. That's a federal offense. You can actually get put in jail for doing that. That's stupid on my mind. That's why they took those plastic newspaper boxes and mounted them below The mailboxes because you, you, they could not put the mail, they could not put your paper inside of a mailbox. But in the United Kingdom, it is not illegal. Rather, it's encouraged. It's called letterboxing. And most people does not have, most people do not have a mailbox like you would. They have a slot in their door. And so you can go up and you can stick something through that mail slot and it's perfectly legal. To do that, you can actually hire companies that'll go out and do that for businesses. They call it letterboxing. It's a lot of fun. But you learn real quick that though it is perfectly legal, nobody told the dog on the other side of the door. <laughs> <laughs> and when your fingers, see they've got, they've got, they've got brushes inside of that slot. So you have to kind of force the piece. That's why I use heavy postcard material. And you gotta force it through those brushes into the house, and that's to keep the heat and air in in inside. And uh, you know, to do that, if you're not careful, you take your fingers and you push your fingers right through that slot, and there's just enough on the other side that Fido enjoys, all right? Now I must I, I did not learn that from first-hand experience, but I was advised about that the first time I went letterboxing, and so. We learned that we could use a kitchen spatula, and it is a wonderful thing. Just take that metal spatula or wooden spatula, take that postcard, and hold it right on that thing, and run it right through that thing, but don't ever put your fingers in, and when it gets on the other side, you just release, and it goes, and as long as you don't step on their lawn, you're a very good camper, amen? Now step on your lawn, step on their lawn, and they're coming out the door after you. It's just that easy, so... I'm just saying there's healthy legs. And I'm looking over here at these youngsters and young folks. and Go now, because your legs won't always be healthy. Say amen right there. Amen. And uh, take advantage of your youth and do something for the glory of God. Maybe God wants you to go. Maybe God wants you to look at something on a short-term basis. Um, I know that's on preacher's heart, and I won't won't steal his thunder. But but maybe God wants you to go on a short-term basis and have an influence on... A family and a field, and that's the thing you can do. You can influence a family and a field because you can be an encouragement to a missionary family and at the same time you can have an influence on a field for the glory of God. Maybe God will start stirring a heart to go long term. Amen? And in, in the, in the progression of missions in any New Testament church, It should be the desire, and to be honest, it I've never seen it when it did not happen this way. But as missions progresses and grows in a church that will receive it and not rebel against it, all right? And I've not seen rebellion here. I see a mission program and a heart to grow that program. But as missions grows in any New Testament assembly, what I notice is, that first, the finances go up. You'll start seeing an increase in the giving, and that's right. And as finances grow up, or go up, I should say, not grow up, but as finances go up, the second thing that's naturally going to happen is there's going to be greater exposure to missionaries. Well, there's funds there, so you want to evaluate who you're going to give those funds to. Usually, there becomes some desire to visit those fields of some nature to get to the mission field. And out of the growth of missions in any New Testament assembly, you should expect, anticipate, and look forward to the day that God looks in your assembly and makes you a sending church. Not just a supporting church, but a sending church. Amen? And uh, that ought to excite you. Amen? Amen. To look forward to. So God begins to finger around the hearts of that family in your church and sends them to the mission field. So maybe God wants you to look at giving. Maybe God wants you to look at going. There's other aspects. Praying. Being a participant. A partner in missions. Um, here's your reading assignment. Read the last chapter of the book of Philippians and, uh, and, and see where the Apostle Paul talks about the care of the church at Philippi in his own life and ministry. It was a mission prayer letter. And he was saying thank you for what you sent, for what you did. And he talks about the word communicate. Right. Amen. Okay. Communicate. There's no excuse for us not communicating with our missionaries in 2021. Yes, sir. Amen. It don't even require you to sit down and write a letter. Yeah. Alright. Y'all can polo marco, whatever that thing is y'all do. <laughs> Amen. And uh, they actually do that overseas. And and, and and the only problem I have with my contacts overseas, the only problem I have, <laughs> my friends in Africa, my, my native friends, or nationals that we work with, they have no concept of time zones. And it occurs to them they want to reach Brother Dwayne at 3 o'clock in the morning georgia time all right and uh, i've yet to figure out how to silence whatsapp on my phone so it just goes off in the middle of the night and then i'm slapping at it trying to figure out i will talk to you tomorrow it is not time to have a casual conversation today amen and so i'm satisfied to get a video message from them or a type message whatever the case might be and so i'm just saying to you we're going to celebrate, we're going to commit, and we're going to confer, and we're continuing to do that. You learned a little something about Japan tonight. Amen. Amen? Amen? You learned a little something about Scotland last night. You'll get a little update tomorrow night, I think, on one of your mission projects and one of your mission endeavors. And so that's exciting. Luke chapter 8 is our text, three verses of Scripture. <clears throat> Luke chapter number 8, verses 1, 2, and 3. I want to read those tonight. And uh, then the message from the Word of God. I'm going to try. The Holy Ghost will hit me. I just want to hit maybe some of the higher points of my thought this evening. And then I'm going to prepare you because tomorrow night, Lord, don't change my direction. I'm going to deal with a very practical thing in the matter of missions about the course of missions in the New Testament. And I want to walk through a biblical pattern for missions That your missionaries are following straight out of the New Testament tomorrow night if the Lord will help us. But Luke chapter 8 verse number 1, here's the text. The Bible said, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Reading three verses Luke chapter number eight. I want to preach for a little bit this evening if the Lord will help us on mission lessons from the master's life. Mission lessons from the Master's life. Much of, much of, and I'm going to use the word doctrine, that's probably a tad strong. But much of the doctrine of missions, and I mean by that the way we conduct missions, is extracted from the book of Acts and subsequently the Paulinian epistles. Y'all would agree with that. We watch Paul as he made those missionary journeys, and if you look in the back of much any Bible that's got some type of map system for you to look at in the back, it'll say the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, and so forth. And and we don't really think about this principle of missions until we get into the book of Acts and we start following after the life of the Apostle Paul, and then sometimes those men that may have followed after him. But really, really, to be honest about it, our principal example of New Testament missions is not Paul, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in a missions conference a long, long time ago. A long time ago. I would guarantee it's been 20 plus years ago. But I was in a missions conference, and my good friend Dean Hamby was preaching that conference. Some of you know Brother Dean. He's the assistant director for Macedonia World Baptist Missions. And Brother Dean was preaching in that meeting. I was actually invited to come and present our ministry way back yonder. And 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 uh, and I sit there on the and and I don't recall all of what Brother Dean preached that night, but somewhere in the middle of that sermon, he made a statement that caused every mouth to drop open. For Brother Dean's preaching along, and he said, uh, "God is not for home missions." You could have heard a pin drop. I'm telling you. And the funny thing was, they had a lot of missionary families. They probably had six or eight families there. And some of the families that were dim, that were, were presenting and had their display set up were 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 home missionaries. They were going to the Midwest or the West. It got silent. You could have heard a pin drop. And Brother Dean let that set in on everybody just for a few minutes. And then he made this statement, Brother Howard. He said, no... Heaven has never needed a missionary. Heaven's never needed a missionary. In God's eyes, they're all foreign missionaries. Amen? A foreign need, a foreign field. And and, and his point was well taken. And, And to understand that, then we must also say that the first missionary is none other than the Lord Jesus himself. And, 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 and John's gospel, Jesus appears after his resurrection, and he makes this statement. He said, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So the pattern for for missions is laid out in the life of our Master. Would you not agree with that? I, I say, if you want to learn how to be a soul winner, study the life of Jesus. Amen. If you want to know what it means to have ministry or be a minister, study the life of Jesus. And perhaps if we want to know something about New Testament missions, we ought to study the life of Jesus. And I think one of those passages is the passage that I've read tonight here in Luke chapter number 8. I notice that there are some truths in this text. What a story. The Bible said that Jesus and of course his disciples are going throughout these cities and villages and they're preaching the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And not only that, but we even are told how they are sustained along the way by the donations of these individuals that are helping him uh, as he goes from place to place. Let's see what the scriptures would teach us. Number one, I want you to notice in verse number one, uh, in these lessons from mission lessons from the life of the master, that there is a, there is the development of the scope of missions. Amen. How far are we supposed to go? Now Brother Jamie's made it clear that this is a new endeavor for Lighthouse Baptist Church and him personally. And so there's no pushback this year. But I promise you in the human nature, there'll come a time, two years, three years, five years down the road, when somebody will have the brassness about them to say, how many times do we need to have a missions conference? How often do we need to increase our giving? Don't you think that, and you put the number out there, is enough? Isn't that enough missionaries? Haven't we invested enough in missions? Well, Jesus answers the question for us when He puts His fingers on the scope of ministry, and this is what He said. He goes in the Scripture, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout. Here's the four words that need to be understood. Every city and village. I think it's wonderful, Brother Samuel, that he not only identifies the cities, but he talks about those villages. So he he says to us, Jesus was taking the message, not just to the places where it was convenient, but also to the places where it wasn't convenient. There were some things that was easy, some places that was easy. There were other places that were difficult. But nevertheless, it is important that the gospel be proclaimed to every city and every village. When I think about that, I'm reminded that there is an inclusion in the message of the gospel. Amen. Oh, you say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, why do they feel necessary to go to every city and every village? I'll tell you why. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe we ought to start off mission meetings by singing the words of the little children's song when they said red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And as I've already talked about before I started my text tonight, even when they are enemies, even when there is a prejudice toward uh, people, I say to you that we must without hesitation uh, uh, be willing to invest our time and our talent and our treasure uh, so that every city and every village uh, is presented with the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, i sure I'm glad God didn't choose some. I'm glad God didn't throw away others. Amen. But God's grace includes every man. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. I'm glad this evening that we get to have a part in delivering the inclusivity of the gospel. Anybody can get saved. If they'll come to Christ. Uh, there's an inc- there's an inclusion in the scope of ministry. Every city and village. There's an incompleteness in the scope of ministry. The task is still unfinished. Uh, you say, preacher, why are we having this meeting? I'll tell you why. Because every city and every village hasn't had the gospel yet. I'll tell you why Chris White and his family are going to Nagyo, Japan. Because every city and every village hasn't had the gospel yet. Amen. By the way, it wouldn't take me very long right here in south central Georgia to start pointing out some counties and some cities and some towns. We might not call them villages around here. But there's some places that are not so far removed from where I'm standing in this pulpit tonight. And there's nobody preaching the truth. Uh, There's some edifices uh, that's got a steeple up on top and a sign out front. uh, uh, But tradition took away the power of the gospel uh, generations ago. uh, And men and women, boys and girls uh, are being raised in the shadow of those steeples uh, and walking amongst the tombstones in those cemeteries. uh, And there's a lost, uh, as a ball in the high weeds uh, because nobody and I said nobody has ever told them the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They're stooped in tradition in Baptist churches in South Georgia as the Catholics are in Mexico City. Amen. There's depending upon what has happened in the past, uh, in their family and in that place, uh, to get them to heaven, uh, as there's a crowd of Muslims thinking Allah is going to get them into some supernatural world. Uh, friend, it doesn't work that way, and you and I have an incomplete task. The job is not done. The work is not finished. I took a moment as we started the service tonight and I pulled out my phone. I have it bookmarked so that I can do it often. And on 1021-21 at approximately seven o'clock tonight, the world population stood at seven billion, seven hundred and ninety seven million, five hundred and fifty two thousand people. Seven point eight billion people. They tell us within four additional years, Brother Dalton, that number will cross over 8 billion people. Dr. Crumpton said that 40 years ago that if you took the country of China and you stood them on the equator in a single file line and you put two feet between each of them and you started driving a car at 50 miles an hour that you'd never reach the end of that line because of the birth rate in China. You couldn't reach the end of the line because more people were being born than you could ever get past. And you know the problem that Chris White faces uh, and I don't brother Chris will understand what I'm about to say but before he can get to Japan there will be more people born in Japan that he'll reach in a lifetime Uh, and before the Alverson family can get before far and begin the ministry that God's given them in Scotland uh, that there will be more people born in Scotland than they'll be able to reach in a lifetime Uh, I'm just trying to tell you the job's not done Uh, uh, the task is not finished, there's an inclusion, there's an incompleteness, but I think it's clear there's an intent, that God's intention is for us to tell everybody, I don't know about you, but I've come too far in this thing to believe that God would have given us a job to do uh, that was undoable. Uh, If you listen to the critics, uh, uh, if you listen to the critics, they'll tell you that that we're wasting our time. Uh, There's even a move afoot sometime amongst independent Baptists. I mean... Our stripe and our color, so to speak, They want to steer you to profitable fields, while overlooking those less profitable fields, yeah. Finding the easy places with a low hanging fruit. Hey, I'm a preacher, I like low hanging fruit. Somebody say amen right there. Getting a red hot meeting and you say boo and the Holy Ghost and the altars are full and sinners get saved. I've been in some meetings and saw a dozen saved, and it wouldn't have mattered who was preaching that night. I I just got to be the one that stood in the pulpit amen uh, but it's not all low hanging fruit uh, but it's all necessary uh, and friend I'm telling you it's the intention of God uh, we preached from it last night going to all the world and preach the gospel that every creature uh, and unless every creature every descendant of Adam's race uh, every place the sun shines uh, has been told uh, about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, then we have a job not finished uh, and it's time to confer uh, it's time to commit uh, it's time to redouble our efforts uh, it's time to press a little further somebody's got to reach them for Jesus the scope of ministry it's every city and village number two you'll notice the sermon of this ministry And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now, you see the message. What were they preaching? The glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now, let me nutshell that a little bit if I can, Brother Chris. The idea of the kingdom, he said it's the glad tidings of the kingdom what do you think he means if you want to nail it down now there's a lot of ways you can interpret it but if you want to nail it down the essence of the gladness is you can be part of the kingdom of God amen let me just say that again cause some of y'all didn't know that one day in your past but somebody come by and said you know you can get saved Amen. Amen. You ever dealt with anybody and said, I didn't think God would save anybody like me? Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't think God could do anything with somebody like me. And look at you now. You're saved by the grace of God. That's because you came in contact with the glad tidings. You can get in. You can get saved. And the the, the sermon of missions is you can be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, I, I want to point this out while I'm passing through because it'll help us for the Dalton. Did you notice that they don't just preach? <laughs> it's in the text. I'd read it to you. They don't just preach. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village and this is what he said. Preaching and showing. The glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Amen. Now look at me. I understand the value of a preacher on the field. This is probably a pretty good point to make a point. Amen. Every missionary you send to the field is not going to become a missionary because they couldn't preach. Amen. Some of them are phenomenal preachers. Students of the word that have the ability to dissect the scriptures and present it under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Every missionary that comes out of college and really has not had a lot of pulpit time that gets up in your pulpit will be, a. everyone will not be a phenomenal speaker. Amen. I've heard men say, well, they can't preach their way out of a brown paper sack. Well, one thing, they're not trying to preach their way out of a brown paper sack. So. I read a great article in a, ma- in a magazine, a publication 15 years ago, I guess, and this is what he said, and I thought it was worth observing. He said, uh, you're talking about somebody that has a, had a chance to experience and, and gain experience, and he said, give him four years. When he's been on the mission field and he preaches five and six times a week, and then when he comes back to your church, when he gets over his little language obstacles and some of y'all, Brother Chris, will figure that out. You get back and you just want to speak in Japanese and then nobody understands it in the congregation. But they get over that little language problem and you say, wow, there's a value in preaching. Amen. But if a God, if, if, if the man that you're sending to the field has the call of God, then God has the capacity to make him the preacher that he needs to be on the field. Amen. Somebody help me right there. Amen. Amen. But it's not just preaching. Because at the same time, Brother Keys, I've, I've been to the field with some men that were phenomenal preachers. But they didn't have the personality of a bag of white lily flower. Amen. You'll notice the choice. White lily, you know, American missionary on farm soil. Huh? And they don't know how to minister. The Bible said effective ministry requires preaching. Nobody's denying that. You've got to declare truth. But it also declares it also requires showing. <laughs> There's got to be a demonstration in our own lives. And by the way, that works in America's. That's right. Amen. That works here you're never going to win your family, your friends, your co-workers, or your neighbors unless they can see the message, not just hear it. Thank God for missionaries that are willing to get their hands dirty. They're not afraid of the people that they're ministering to. Amen. You show me a missionary that never allows a national, whether it be a Japanese man, a Scottish man, or an African man, into their home and I'll show you a missionary to be better if he'd pack his goods and come back to the house. Uh, Amen. 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 Hey, if you get to the place where they think, where where we cannot approach the field thinking we are better than they are. Amen. Now we had a great conversation this morning about some foods we have no intentions of eating. It's not because I'm better. It's because I'm not as good. And they can eat it, and if I eat it, I die. They keep on going, but I won't make it. Somebody say amen right there. Now, you think i joke about that, and I am to some degree, Brother Dalton, but I, I've been in places in the National Pastor said, Well, Pastor, I'll eat that for you, because if you eat it, it will hurt you. <laughs> They meant well when they brought me that cup of juice, but they forgot to tell me it had been sitting in the sun for two days. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We don't drink wine. Amen. Uh, but we would have that night if I had partook. Amen. Amen. I'm just saying. I mean, we're not better than they are. We have a higher standard of living, but our standard of living may make us worse than some of them are.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. yes you're right. Amen. Amen.
1: They're our brethren. There are brethren, amen. Yes. There are brethren, yes. and, and, and and we must minister. And and you check out your missionary, and when he ministers to them, yes. he's showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Yes, y- y'all support Brother John, John Williams. Any man that's willing to lose a hundred and what did he tell us? Thirty pounds. Oh, you would not own that. Oh, I was on that. I was in Kansas. They were talking to John. Sorry. He's lost 130 pounds. 128, I think, was the magic number. Somewhere around in there. Any any missionary that's willing to lose 128 pounds because he's got men that got saved in his church that come from villages up in the mountains and they want the gospel to go to those villages. And they said, Brother John, we can't let you go because you weigh too much. John's 400 pounds. They said, you weigh too much and said... You get in there and can't come out. We can't tote you out. That's what they told John. So John said that ain't going to happen. And so John set out and lost weight. And, uh, he just did a three hour pack with a 50 pound pack on it. Three hour hike with a 50 pound hike on his back. And he got up there and he got to preach to some people that have never had the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I knew a, I knew a missionary. I knew a missionary was trying to sneak into a closed country. And, uh, he got, he, he went in and they called him at the, well, the, the, they, they, they called him. And, uh, and they, 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 throwed him out of the country and they marked his passport. He was trying to get into Vietnam and he was a two and a half term Navy SEAL. And they throwed him out of that country and they stamped his passport, enemy of the people of Vietnam. Unable to ever return so what he did he changed his appearance he lost weight and he grew facial hair and he changed his hair and he dyed his hair and he went and got another passport made <laughs> unfortunately got to the airport and they said enemy of the people and they stamped it and wouldn't let him in. But I'm simply... And he he did get in, by the way. He just had to end up going over to Laos or Cambodia. And he came over the mountains and he came into places where they didn't have borders and he wasn't going to get caught. Why would he do that? Because he's showing. Amen. He's showing. i got to get off of this. We're not going to get to where I need to get to tonight. But the sermon of the ministry is the glad tidings that God has a plan of redemption. Do you understand that the darkness of Japan... Is caused by the simple fact they don't know that God has a plan of redemption. ( Toby) Amen. (inaudible) Allah doesn't have a son.
0: That's right.
1: But God did. God does. And his son's name is Jesus. And he came to give his life. He didn't ask for your son's life. Uh They, They don't know that. The message of Christ has never been presented. They think maybe worshiping their ancestors is sufficient to get them into the afterlife. They think maybe living a good life will cause them not to suffer as much on the other side. But yet they don't know that God has a plan and He paid for that plan two thousand years ago. They can get in if they just want to get in, but they can't until they know about that plan. Isn't that the beauty of Romans chapter number 10? Romans chapter number 10, the Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall he preach except he be sent? What a discourse. All they got to do is believe. Let me say that again because you need to make sure you understand the simplicity of salvation. All they have to do is believe. If they'll believe, they can be saved. That's how you got in, Norman. That's how I got in. Brother David, that's how you got in. That's all they've got to do. Yes, sir. They don't have to become Americans. Yes, they don't have to adopt American culture. Yes, they don't have to sign up to be a Republican or a Democrat. Yes. Amen. Yes, Amen. Yes, Amen. No, no, they just have to believe, yes, and they can get saved. The problem is they don't. They they uh, uh, they just have to call, but they're not going to call because they've never heard there's anybody to call on. Mm-hmm. They've walked out. And they stared up at the stars. And I can just imagine that if you could get on one of those high pinnacles of the mountain where Brother Chris was talking about and look up in the nighttime, you could see the stars shining above the city lights. And they have wondered, is there anybody that can help us? And we don't find it in our folklore. We don't find it in our ancestry. We don't find it in our history. We don't find it in our teachings. (laughs) Is there anybody up there that can help us? Along comes a missionary and says, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? Amen. Has anybody ever told you about Jesus? See, they've got a, they've got a, they've got a call on Him, but they can't call on Him if they don't believe in Him. And they can't believe in Him if they don't know Him. And they can't know Him if somebody don't tell them. And that's where we get to come in. Hey, God has a plan of redemption. And God's plan involves the pardon of Satan. I bring that up because so many religions So many false religions offer some penance for sin, but they don't provide any pardon for sin. Maybe if you pay enough. Maybe if you do enough. Maybe if you give enough. (laughs) But when they encounter Jesus, through him is preached the forgiveness of sin. How about that? You mean he'll forgive me? He'll forgive you. He'll wash them away. Yeah, amen. Just like he did us. And the missionary stands there and says, I am a product of that forgiveness. He made a change in my life, and he'll make a change in yours. Brenda Booth is a Panamanian lady. She's married to an American missionary. They've served in Panama for 20 years plus. Brenda was a Catholic teenager when she got saved. Raised Catholic, pretty devout Catholics. Lived in a little place called Las Lomas, and uh, Las Lomas is the home of the first Independent Baptist Church in the entire country of Panama. A place called uh, a church is called Temple Baptist Church. It was it was uh, the Willis that started that church forty five years ago, I guess. Miss Brenda and her sister and. She had some other siblings, her brother Edwin. They ran a little store. Their family had a little store in Los Lomas. They were devout Catholics, but the, the, the Baptists moved in. And the Willises came to town, started a little Baptist church, Baptist church. They had no buses. They got out and walked up the streets. They came up around on Sunday morning. You could walk back to church with them. They stopped by the little store, and they asked, Brenda and her sister if they'd like to come to church on Sunday and they said well that would be fun we could enjoy doing that so they went in and talked to mom and mom said I'll need to talk to dad and dad said if they'll get up early and go to mass then they can go with the Baptist preacher and his wife so they'd get up on Sunday morning and go to mass at 8 o'clock and it took about 30 minutes they'd be back home and sometime about 9.30 brother and sister willis would come walking through that little community and they'd get in with the other kids that was around in the neighborhood and they would follow them back to the little church now melissa and i both stayed in the home of mrs willis she's still living her husband died in 94 i think and he's been buried in panama all these years and she won't leave she said now god called me here too mm-hmm. and so the panamanian government took her driver's license away she's just 82 I think 83, and they took her driver's license away, and she fought them for nine months and got it back. (laughs) You don't mess with Miss Elaine. And, uh, And so they get back to the house of God that Sunday morning, and they said Miss Willis was jovial and happy. She had a sweet spirit, and Miss Willis would strap a guitar on, and they would sing happy songs. And she said, "Miss Brenda said, and I, I mean, I've heard her give her testimony. I've had her give her testimony on multiple occasions. And Miss Brenda said, you won't believe this, but the very first Sunday we were there, we didn't mean no disrespect, but we assumed it must be her birthday. She was so happy. She had to have a special day that we thought it was her birthday. She said, no, honey, what makes you think it's my birthday? They told her said, it must be your birthday. She said, oh, no. Well, what makes you so happy? And she said, Jesus makes me happy. And she said, we just came from the mass. And it was all about dead saints and dead things and dead saviors and sober and silent and sad. And how we needed to suffer more. But we come down on this side and the Baptist preacher's wife had a smile on her face and was singing a happy song. Strumming a guitar and saying, I'm happy in Jesus. And we suddenly realized we wanted what she had. They got saved. Brenda got saved. Her sister got saved. It wasn't long until mom got saved. And before he died, before he died, Dad got saved. The brother got saved. The brother's a preacher. His name's Edwin Santiago. He's in he's uh he's got the He's got the Panama City Baptist Church. If I got that right, I think I do. It's the first church I ever preached in. It's up on the second floor of a building. Amen. And you don't get no running fits in that church. It's a long way down. Amen. <laughs> and 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 Brother Ruth has got a church plant, Victory Baptist Church, been going twenty years. His mother-in-law, Mrs. Santiago, is one of the greatest soul winners I've ever met. She's still living, and she's still a soul winner. And they've got a second church planted that they're, they're about to acquire a building on. Uh, and they've got grandkids that are in the ministry. And some are in Bible college. And one's married to a preacher out in California somewhere. Why? Because there was a happy missionary that not only was willing to preach the truth, but was willing to show the truth. That's what missions does. That's what our witnesses got to do that's what our message has got to do. It's not just our mouth, but it's our life. It works, it works, it works. Let the world see that it works. Amen. Amen. Let's well, stand to our feet, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Brother David, if you'll come. I didn't get where I thought I was going to get. We may postpone that other little lesson till Sunday. and Pick up here tomorrow night if the Holy Ghost leads in that direction let me ask you a question while they're getting ready to sing let me ask you a question when I'm preaching about every city and every village what did the Lord touch your heart about where did he show you where did he show you I preached the missions conference in Minnesota in the month of April, and I dealt with that very text. I didn't realize it that night, but the Lord stirred the pastor's heart about the White Earth Indian Reservation. It's about 35 miles from his church. It wasn't long until a series of events took place, and they acquired a building on the White Earth Indian Reservation. Right now, it's just a Bible study, Brother Reese, but it'll be a church because somebody realized there was a village that didn't have the gospel. Is there somebody you know? Is there a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, somebody you know that doesn't have the gospel? They, they may have been raised around where they know who Jesus is, but do they really know what he done? If the Lord nudged your heart, maybe you ought to find an altar and pray. Talk to the Lord about his will, how you could influence that. Maybe, maybe the Lord nudges your heart about, let's not only tell it, let's show it. Not just preach it, but show it. Maybe we ought to say, Lord, I know the task getting done. Lighthouse Baptist Church has got eight flags hanging, maybe more. We need eight more. Help us to do more. Because the task is not You see, the same peace that came to your life can come to their life. The same life-changing impact that it had on you can happen to them.
0: They just don't know what you know. Somebody's got to go.